0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. Now, when we talk about faithfulness, faithfulness is really twofold. I believe that first and foremost, Before anything, that we ought to be faithful to the Lord. We ought to be faithful in our personal relationship with him. And secondly, that we ought to be faithful in what the Lord has called us to do. Amen. We believe in being faithful in every area of our life. I believe that one of the most important characteristics of a servant leader, biblically, is faithfulness. Faithfulness day in and day out. Faithful in the small things, faithful in the big things, faithful when everybody is watching, faithful when nobody notices. Unusually big things do not happen overnight, but they start with faithfulness In the small things, the things that are seemingly insignificant, maybe when you set those things next to what others are doing and compare them, maybe you feel like they don't matter. Maybe you feel like it's not making a difference. Maybe you feel like there's no use, but that's nothing but an old trick of the enemy to get you to give up and get you to quit. Amen. Can I remind you here tonight that your faithfulness, it does matter, that it does make an impact that others may not always notice, but God, he always notices it, and he will bless it, and bless it, and bless it. People, they might look at you like you're crazy, and some of you might be a little bit crazy, and that's okay. Some people might think that that you're crazy to make personal sacrifices in order to serve the body of Christ, but I wanna encourage you here tonight to keep your hand on the plow, keep believing God, Keep seeking him for marvelous things in your life and watch him work on your behalf. Amen. Faithful, faithful in the morning, faithful in the evening, faithful on Sunday, faithful on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You know, some people think that ministry is a nine-to-five job, but I hate to break it to you. Ministry is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You live ministry. I I, I oftentimes, I work seven days a week. I have to force myself to disconnect sometimes because Sometimes I can't stop working. Sometimes I can't stop going and I have to force myself to take a break, to relax and get some rest. Amen. But faithfulness, it's something that should always be a part of our life. You see, many people want the blessing of being faithful, but they don't want the commitment. They want the reward, but they don't want the labor they want to be in the spotlight but they're not willing to be in the shadows but some of the most most significant parts of the work of God are not seen but they're in the shadows they're there's they're seen in the sight of God they may not be seen by man but they're seen in the sight of God and God is your rewarder God is your blesser he is the one who opens up doors for you and I truly believe that big doors swing on small hinges you know throughout my 12 years of full-time ministry whether it looked like a big opportunity or it looked like a small opportunity, I treat it like a big opportunity. Whether it's a television opportunity or it's 20 people, whether it's 500,000 people or 50 people, I do it unto the Lord and I do it with all of my heart. And not every opportunity seems big, but it's always the smaller things that lead to the bigger things. And I've said it before that if we're too big to do small things and we're too small to do big things, God He's not looking for a champion. He's looking for somebody who is faithful, somebody who is yielded, somebody who is surrendered, somebody who has laid down their life as a living sacrifice for the purpose of God that he's laid upon them. I want to encourage you here tonight that you do matter. Your faithfulness, it does matter. Your effort and your labor of love is not in vain. And those who are faithful privately, God will bless over Amen? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 says that God will not forget your labor of love. I love what Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we do not give up. Do not grow weary and well-doing, for in due season, in other words, at the appointed time, you shall. Shall is a will on steroids, amen? Yes. Not only will you reap, you shall reap, if you do not give up, if you faint not. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, and verse 62, that no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Could you imagine trying to mow a lawn, and when you have your hand on the lawn mower looking behind you the whole time? Could you imagine how off course you would be? You would be all over the place. And, and, and that was the idea, idea here. Jesus had no man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. When God calls you to do something, you've got to keep your eye on the plow. You've got to keep your eye on what he has called you to do. I love what Luke chapter 9 and verse 19 and verse 17 says. Luke 19, 17, it says, well done, good servant. Because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Hallelujah. Because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities you see you see everything big always starts off with something small and so many people want to do something big and something impactful for the kingdom of God. And yet they're surrounded with so many smaller opportunities that are stepping stones to the bigger opportunities and stepping stones to the bigger impact. And Jesus said that those who are faithful in the very little will be given authority over 10 cities. I don't know about you, but I believe in God for great and mighty things. He said in Jeremiah chapter 13, 33 and verse 3 to call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you not small and insignificant things, but he said, I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Hallelujah. The same power that rose Jesus up from the dead when he was in that tomb for three days, the same power, the power of the Holy Ghost that raised him from the dead, it is now working in you. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above, not just above all that we could ask or think, Not just exceedingly above, but exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. You serve a big God. You ought to think big. You ought to believe big. You know, I was uh, at the cashier somewhere today, the register, and, and the lady working there asked me how everything was going. And you know, when somebody asks you that question, your mind just instantly locks up Trying to think about everything going on, but I, I I told her I'm I'm doing very well. Got a you know a lot of good things happening, and and she she said you know always set your goals high. You know always reach for the sky. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been hitting those goals for a long time, you know, big goals, but I'm believing God for even bigger. I'm believing God for even greater because we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above above all we could ever ask or think. And so I want you to know tonight that when you're faithful... And what God has called you to do, when you're faithful in the smaller things, then God is able to bless you with bigger, and God will able to bless you with greater. And you know, so many people, they want God to give them more, but they're not faithful in what he's given to them now. And if we're not faithful in what he gives us now, then why would God give us more uh, just to squander? God knows what we can handle, and so God will give us enough uh, for right now. And when we're faithful in that, then he can give us more and he can give you more increase, and he can bless you with more. But I want you to know here tonight that every time you give, you're making a difference. Every time you preach, you're making a difference. Every time you serve, every time you support, every time you sing, every time you show up to church, every time you invite somebody else to church, you are making a difference. Amen? Amen. And God, he will bless, and he will bless, and he will bless. Uh, Amen, brother. I'm reminded of Joseph when Joseph was thrown into a prison and the baker and the butler came to him and they had a dream and and they wanted Joseph to interpret their dream for him. And here's Joseph. I mean, Joseph, he had a mighty calling upon his life and here he is in a prison cell. No, nobody, nobody respects him for who he is. Nobody is, quote-unquote, honoring the call uh, that is upon his life, but it didn't stop him from being faithful. And Joseph, he was obedient to God. And Joseph interpreted the dream of the baker and the butler. And because, God was, because Joseph was faithful to God in the prison, it led him to the palace. Are you willing to be faithful when you don't have the recognition, when you don't have the position, when you don't have the platform that you want? Are you willing to be faithful in what God has given to you right now and say, God, I'm going to be faithful? in the small and I believe that when I'm faithful in the small you're gonna give me bigger and you're gonna bless me with greater amen those who are faithful in the small things will be given authority over ten cities Moses was somebody that was used greatly by God and and Moses he was he was hiding on the backside of the desert he was trying to camouflage himself For some of y'all, it's time to stop camouflaging yourself, hiding from the call of God that is upon your life. Amen? God, he's got a call, he's got a plan, and he's got a purpose for your life. God wants to use you for his glory. He's not looking for somebody spectacular. He's looking for somebody who is faithful. And I love it because when God shows up to Moses, God, he asked Moses the question. He said, what's in your hand? That's what he asked him. What's in your hand? Now, you notice that he did not say what's in your head because when God God does something great in your life, it's not dependent upon how smart that you are. He didn't say what's in your mouth, because when God does something great, it's not dependent upon how articulate you are. God, he can add those things to you, but he says, all I need is what you have right now, and I need you to give it to me. And he said, Lord, all I have is a stick. And the Lord said, throw it down, and when he did, it became a serpent, and then he fled from it. There he is again, running from his call, amen? And then the Bible said he picked it up by the tail, and when he picked it up by the tail, it transformed back from a supernatural serpent back to a plain, ordinary stick, amen? I want you to understand this evening that all God needs sometimes is just a stick, He's already evaluated all of our excuses and all he needs is just a stick. You see, a stick is ordinary. A stick is normal. A stick is nothing spectacular. A stick, it's very common. It's not a big deal. And when God is looking for somebody that he can use in a supernatural way, sometimes all he needs is just a stick. When the children of Israel were backed up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was pressing in from behind. They had the Red Sea ahead of them and they had the, 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 the armies behind them and the Bible said that Moses that he took that stick and he held it up and the waters were parted when the the waters at the the bitter waters of Morrow, when they were thirsting to death in the milder the wilderness and and they thought they weren't going to make it God asked them the question what do you see and he said I see a tree and God said tear a branch Moses tear that branch off that tree and throw it into the the bitter waters, and the Bible says that when he took that tree and he threw it into the bitter waters, a type of the cross, the Bible says that the bitter waters became sweet because sometimes all God needs is just a stick. When God was ready to redeem the world, he allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary on two sticks because sometimes all God needs is just a stick. You might look at yourself and you might think that you're of no use to the kingdom of God. You might look at maybe weaknesses, you may see inadequacies. And, and can I tell you, I don't know of a, of a single leader out there who does not feel uh, like they're not measuring up or, or there, there's not a leader that I know who go through who do not go through times in their life when they don't feel like they're measuring up, when they don't feel like they're enough, because it doesn't matter how much influence you have and how much God is using you, you always find yourself in a place where you feel insufficient, you feel unqualified, but those are the people that God uses the greatest people that feel unqualified, people that feel insignificant because once we feel like we're unqualified, then God says, okay, now I can work through you and I can use you for my glory. And when I get done using you, you'll know it's not because of you, but it's because of him. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And so, you can take heart in that tonight because maybe you compare yourself to another singer or you compare yourself to a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist or uh, some well-spoken individual and, and you say, well, you know, I'm not that individual. You see, I don't believe that God uses cookie cutter Christians. I don't think that God uses replicas. I think that Uh, If somebody is trying to replicate somebody else, then one of them are irrelevant. I think that the original always does it best. I believe in allowing God to form us and to change us and to develop the personal and individual gifting and calling that is upon your life. There are are times when God will use other preachers and other leaders as influences to glean from. And I think it's inevitable at times when you are always listening to certain preachers uh, to not pick up things, but but you, you are an individual You have an individual place in the body of Christ. You have a unique gifting and calling that is upon your life, and God, he wants to develop that, and he wants to develop the call, and he wants to develop the ministry. God hasn't called you to be anybody else. He's called you to be who he has called you to be. Amen? Amen. He's got a special call for your life, a special gift for your life. I've seen... So many times where people, they want to just, sometimes it's embarrassing when 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 people imitate other preachers because it just doesn't fit. And you're like, that's that's just not you. You know, and I believe that sometimes one of the most supernatural things that you can do is just be natural. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I think a lot of people want to put up a front. and And for me, I appreciate people no matter how greatly used by God, no matter how much influence they have, they're the real deal, amen? They're, they're, they are who they are. They're not trying to be somebody they're not. God is using them greatly. They don't want to be anybody else. I'll tell you something here tonight. I don't want to be anybody else. There's not a preacher out there that I want to be. I want to be who God has called me to be. I I have a lot of respect for a lot of preachers and a lot of leaders out there, and I learn from a lot of them, amen. How many of you know that it's wisdom to learn from other leaders? It's wisdom to learn from other preachers, from, uh, from other pastors. We should never come to a point where we feel like we got it all figured out and we've got nothing else to learn. I had somebody tell me that one time, probably about 60 years old, and they told me, straight up, they said, you'll never preach something that I've never heard before. That's what they told me. You'll never preach something that I don't already know. Really? Well, (laughs) a lot could be said there. The first thing that they need to learn is humility. Apparently, they missed that in a sermon down throughout the years because A disciple is a learner. God has called us to be a disciple. We never come to a point where we stop learning. We're always, even in glory, we're always going to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And and so we should never close ourselves off to, to knowing and growing and learning more. Amen? We are all growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that we ought to be patient with the growth of other people. Uh, not every plant produces fruit at the same speed. An orange tree, an apple tree, uh, watermelon, so on and so forth, they don't all grow at the same pace. And so although the fruit of the Spirit ought to to be evident in our life, we're we're all in different places, and we ought to be an encouragement and a strength. You know, I, I get tired. I don't know about you, but I get tired of so much criticism of, of uh, other believers and preachers and pastors and teachers I, I just I just get tired of it. you know you get you get to a place in ministry where you just and I was talking to my brother about this uh, yesterday we had a great conversation. How many of you know that iron sharpens iron amen It's good to have good, deep conversations uh, with brothers and sisters in christ and and I, I told them that i've noticed something in ministry that people when they talk about problems, and they talk about, especially with preachers and pastors and other believers, usually they, they stop after talking about the problem. And for me, I'm like, okay, I've heard about the problem. Now, what's the solution? What, what's the resolution to the problem? And, and, you know, some people, they want you as a preacher to just always talk about problems. And there is a time to address problems in the church world. I understand that there's a lot of compromise in the church world. I I understand that there is a lot of sin uh, in the church. And and the the, the church world has tried to water down the word of God. I I understand that. I, I realize that's an issue. And there's a time to address it. And then you've got to direct people to the solution to the problem. You've got to direct people to Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Because whether it's a sin problem, whether it's a doctrinal problem, whatever it may be, I want them to come to Jesus. I want to see them grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I don't have their well-being in mind, then I have no right to talk about it. I have no right to preach about it. If I don't have a true, genuine burden in my heart to see them come out of whatever they're in, whether it's sin or false doctrine, I've got no right to talk about them. I want to see them grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've seen this happen so often with other preachers and and, and other pastors, and, and, and sometimes they write off everybody except themselves. Every preacher, if they don't talk like them, if they don't sound like them, if their church looks a little different, if their lights are dimmed down, then they write them off. And, and you know what happens is they get to a point where they've written off so many preachers that they're the only preacher that's left. And to me, I think that's manipulation. I don't have to tear everybody down to get people to listen to me. God, he hasn't called us into lumberjack ministry to just cut everybody down. That's not what he's called us to do. Some people think that's their calling, just to cut everybody down. That's not your calling. That's the flesh. There's a time to address false doctrine, and there's a time to address issues, but you've got to have a heart of love. You've got to have a heart of compassion, and you've got to have their best interest in mind you've got to have a true burden to see them grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ amen I don't want to just you know it's like uh, Pastor Gabe was telling me about how there is a guy with a sign uh, that said for the wages of sin is death and one of his preacher friends went up to him and he said well I see that your sign says for the wages of sin is death But what about the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Why did you leave that part out? You know what he did? He ended up screaming in his face through a microphone. It's a flash. Uh, people, I, I believe that the gospel is like a battery. There's a negative and there's a positive, and you've got to have both. But I believe that that you should stress the solution even more so than the problem. I want to see sinners saved, whether they're bound by homosexuality, whether they're bound by addiction, whether they're bound by sin of any sort, whether they're caught up in false doctrine. I want to see them delivered by the power of God. I want to see them chained by the power of God. I want to... See them experience a true transformation in their life. And you'll never win a soul if you don't have a burden and you don't have a true love and you don't have compassion. God, he wants to wants to give you his heart and he's got a burden. He, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Now, none of this is in my notes here tonight, but it's okay, amen? It's in my heart here tonight we got to have a true burden for those that we preach to. we got to have a true love for those that we preach to. And preachers, some preachers that I've heard written off, they really, the individuals who wrote them off had no right to write them off. And, you know, I used to, because some of these are people I used to be associated with, and I love them too, I pray God's best for them, but I'm not going to get caught up in that kind of thinking where I'm just tearing everybody apart and then I lose focus and I'm distracted on what it's all about, which is reaching souls and seeing people change through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I've also found that usually people that, you know, there's something that's called keyboard warriors. Y'all ever heard of a keyboard warrior? It's people that just kind of sit at home and they're just, you know, they're a warrior on social media and Facebook and YouTube and just turn everybody. Sometimes you got to just get off Facebook. Some people, I don't think they should have Facebook. I don't think they should have social media. As I've said it before, Facebook has never healed the sick and never raised the dead, but it has certainly caused the dumb to speak. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Sometimes, and and sometimes we have to disconnect from social media because it becomes so toxic and, and it becomes such a distraction i want to focus on seeing people brought into the kingdom of god but i've found that oftentimes those who are always tearing down other preachers they will never have the opportunity and they'll never have the inf- the influence to actually reach those other preachers and for me there's literally no preacher out there and i don't some say this to sound conceited or whatever the case but there's no preacher out there that i could not picture myself sitting next to at dinner or whatever the case or in an office meeting or whatever the case. And so I I think, what would I say if I was looking at them face to face? How would I treat them? What what would I feel toward them? I I hope it would be the love of Jesus. I hope it would be the love of God. You know, some people can just be nasty. Amen. Uh, A good pastor friend of mine down in North Carolina sent me a text and he said, uh, I think somebody needs to write a book, you know, how to how to uh, pasture the flock even when there's jerks. Amen. Because <laughs> some people they're just mean spirited. They just have a mean heart. And, and they think that they're doing the work of God and they think that they're taking these righteous stands. It's like, no, you're just mean. You need to allow Jesus to heal your heart and change your heart so that people don't see you and they don't see the flesh, but they see Jesus and they see the love and compassion that ought to be evident in your life. Paul, he said to speak the truth in love, amen? Now I'll get back to my text here tonight. Sometimes all God needs is not something supernatural, something spectacular, somebody who is the best looking and look like they just walked out of GQ magazine. Most of the time, all that God is looking for is just a stick. I want to encourage you here tonight to, to not think that you're inadequate. Uh, don't think that you don't matter. Don't think that, that God should use somebody else with some great, magnificent talent because God, he rarely does that. When God does something spectacular, he uses something that is ordinary and common. God, he can use you. He will use you. The question is, can God trust you? Moses, he had to be willing to relinquish the stick. God was saying, you don't need anything else. All you need is what I've given to you. You know what's interesting is that if Moses had not gone through the desert, he would have never picked up that stick. Sometimes it's in the desert in the dry places, in the wilderness experiences where we pick up some things that God, he circles back around and uses later on in our life for his glory. And somebody said amen here tonight. Some of you are in a desert place And and, and I want you to understand that you are in a time of preparation. You're wanting God to hurry up, but he's got you right where he wants you. And in that desert, you're going to pick up some things that could have never been used unless you went through that desert and you picked up that compassion and you picked up that broken heart. And now when somebody comes around you who's struggling and hurting and broken, you've got something in you that God can use to reach those around you amen it's not easy going through the desert it's not easy going through the wilderness God did not allow the children of Israel to circle in the wilderness for 40 years to get the children of Israel out of the wilderness. He allowed them to circle around the wilderness for 40 years to get the wilderness out of the children of Israel. You see, God, he will allow us to go through what we're going through to change us and to pick up something that he can use later on in his life for his glory. Amen. That desert that you're going through, it is not in vain. That wilderness that you're enduring right now, it is not without a purpose, but God, he will use those seasons and he will use those times to bring those things back around and use them for his glory. Amen. There have been things I have gone through as somebody who is saved and somebody who is born again. And I, and I, during those times, I, I, I would ask God, God, why would you allow me to go through this? I've gone through seasons of anxiety. I've gone through seasons of depression in the middle of the call of God. And, and, and in those times, I would ask God, God, why would you allow me to go through this? I would be so much more effective if I wasn't going through this trial and God says, I beg to differ. It's actually through your trial that you learn to trust me. And then when you get up and preach, you're not preaching from a head knowledge. You're preaching by experience because I've shown you my faithfulness. I've shown you how I can bring you through. And if I've shown you how I can bring you through, then you can stand up and proclaim that if God brought me through it, he can bring you through it as well. If God brought me through anxiety, he can bring you through anxiety. If God brought me through depression, He can and bring you through depression. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. You ever shared something with somebody about what you were going through and they looked at you like a calf looking at a new gate? They look at you cross eyed. It just doesn't make sense. And then they try to lecture you and tell you why you're going through what you're going through. And well, you must not be praying long enough. You only pray 30 minutes, you need to push it to 35 minutes. You only read five chapters a day, you need to read six chapters a day. Or maybe maybe it's because of your past, maybe it's because of sin in your life, and hey, sin can cause problems, and sin can cause anxiety, and it can cause depression in your life, in your life. but that's not always the case. That's not all, always a reason for why you're going through what you're going through. And I've had to encourage pre- people who I knew were saved and filled in the Holy Ghost, and they were going through anxiety and they started focusing on all the, the, their failures in the past and, and, and say, well, maybe I'm going through what I'm going through because 10 years ago, I said something I shouldn't have said. And I have to encourage them, no, you're saved, you're born again, you're washed by the blood of Jesus, you're filled in the Holy Ghost. God, he does not desire for you to stay in this place, and God can bring you out of this place. And if you have, even if there were, there was sin in your life, and you've repented of that sin, and you've made your heart right with God, and you're still going through it, then that shows you that this is something else. It's not directly related to sin, and you ought to believe God to bring you through it. Amen? God can bring you through depression. God can bring you through anxiety. And maybe there's somebody watching, somebody listening tonight, and you feel like you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe maybe you face something in your life. Maybe you've gone through trauma in your life, and you think about that trauma. You think about what you went through. You think about the the turmoil it caused in your life, and you question and wonder, can I ever get past this? Can I ever get over this? So many people in the military. They, they fight in the war and then they get home and the real battle starts, the battle of the mind. And they think about everything that they went through and everything that they saw and they have a hard time coping with it. They have a hard time wondering if they can make it through it. And the devil, he's good at taking things that we go through and using them To hinder us and hold us back and sometimes you can find yourself asking yourself the question can I ever get past this I want you to know here tonight that you can get past it you can get over it you can get through it there is light at the end of the tunnel at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my soul and you don't understand that song unless you felt the burdens of your soul and you were in the darkness of night and you didn't think there was any way out but at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my soul, they rolled away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They rolled away. And so there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope in the devil. He is a liar. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. And you know, when I went through a really hard time, this was several years ago, somebody uh, they said it was such a simple, simple statement, but it, it really helped me get through it. They said these words. They said, feelings are not reality. God's word is reality. Feelings are not reality. God's word is reality. You see, our emotions, they change based off of what's happening around us, based off of what we're going through. We have high times and we have low times, but the word of God, it remains the same no matter what season that you're in. Amen. His word will never fail. And so whether you feel defeated, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. When you feel like there's no hope, the Bible says that Jesus, he is your hope. And so we must always, the Bible says to think on those things, and and, and we have to de- determine what are we going to think on. Are we going to think on, on those depressing thoughts? Are we going to think on the lies of the enemy, or are we going to redirect our mind to the Word of God and say, no, I know who God says that I am. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what season I'm in. God is not a man that he should lie. He is not the son of man that he should repent. If God a promise, he will be faithful to carry out that promise. Amen? Amen. Getting back to my notes here tonight. We love it when God transforms us into something supernatural and he uses us in a supernatural way. We love it when we experience supernatural victories and great things are happening and miracles and blessings and favor. But the greatest miracle in this story is is not that Moses picked up the stick and it it turned into a serpent. But the greatest miracle in the story is that after it was transformed into something supernatural, that it could go back into a humble, common, ordinary, without evil, ego, without pride, without arrogance, it went right back after doing it better than anybody else, right back to the simplistic, I'm just a stick in the master's hand. You can't praise me, you can't build me up, because he does the supernatural, I'm just a stick, hallelujah. All God is looking for is just a stick. He's just looking for somebody who is faithful, somebody who is common, somebody who is ordinary but, but believes God to use them in an extraordinary, supernatural way. Hallelujah. Yes. You see, a lot of people out there, they wanna be a soloist, but can you go back to being a choir member when the solo is over? Can you go back to being a stick after you've had the platform? Can you go back to sweeping the floor if that's what it takes? You know, so many pre so many preachers have started off so humble and then God throws them down like that stick and he uses them in a supernatural way. And the issue is not whether or not God can use somebody supernaturally, but the issue is whether or not after God uses us, if we can remain humble and go back to that simple, common, ordinary stick. You know, they say one of the best ways to test somebody's character is, Is to give them power. When you give somebody power, usually the first thing that rises to the surface usually isn't confidence, usually it's insecurity. And usually insecurity will overcompensate itself with unhealthy behavior. And so again, one of the greatest ways to test somebody's character is to give them power. After you have been given the opportunity, after you have been given the influence, after God has done something supernatural in your life, can you go back to being a stick? Can you remain humble after God has used you? Can you go back to an ordinary, I'm just a stick in the master's hand? I'll be faithful in the big things and I'll be faithful in the small things. I'll be faithful on the platform, and I'll be faithful when nobody knows who I am. You see, character is who you are when nobody's watching, who you are when nobody sees you. It's easy to stand up on a platform, but how do you treat the server? You know, I was at a restaurant last night after a revival service, and and uh, the girl that was there, you could just tell that she was, you know, bothered by, you know, her night. I asked her, how's your night going? And and she just she, she laughed at first, and then you know she almost like cried, and um, then it came to came to find out that some people there were very badly mistreating her, and it, it was really bothered me, and I, I felt to encourage her, and and to direct her attention away from. Uh, that table and the things that they were saying and felt to bless her with a, a good tip as well, amen? But you know, some people, they stand behind a pulpit and they preach and they lift up Jesus, but how do you treat your server? How do you treat those outside of church? How do you treat the unsaved people? How do you treat the people who don't look like you? How do you treat the people who don't sound like you? How do you treat the people that are a part of a different church and a part of a different circle and a part of a different clique and a part of a different organization, and and they're not a part of your sphere. How how do you treat those people? Are you going to treat those people with love? Are you going to show them Jesus like you show people Jesus from behind the pulpit? I don't want to be one person from behind a pulpit and then be somebody totally different when I'm not preaching the word of God. Sometimes you will be the only Bible that people ever read your life will be the only Bible that people ever read. It's been well said to preach with our life and use words when necessary. Preach with our life and use words when necessary. Some people, they have it backwards. They preach with their words, but their life ain't matching up with their words and their character does a great disservice to the calling. It's not that God hasn't called them, but our character can interfere with the call of God that is upon our life. And so that's why God wants to refine our character and make us more like Jesus. Some people, they miss that. Once they get to leadership, they think that they arrived. but really the sanctification process just, it ought to speed up, amen? Because uh, when you're in leadership and you're still in the flesh, then now everybody will see that you're in the flesh. And so we ought to always examine ourselves and always examine our lives. You you know, if if we got a camera person, we hired a a camera guy to follow you around for a week, day in and day out, and then we display the footage up here on the TV screen, what would we see? I, I, I think that if we were to take everything that was in your heart Everything you thought, everything you said in your, maybe not verbally, but in your mind, and over the last week, and we put that up on the screen, then nobody would wanna talk to anybody. (laughs) Because we're all a work in progress. We all have things in our life that need to change. And as a leader, you get get put to the front of the sanctification line, amen? (laughs) you got to go to the cross first. If you want to lead others to the cross, then you've got to go to the cross first. You've got to be crucified to self. The flesh has to die first. If you want to see other people change, then you got to put yourself at the front of the line and say, God, change me. Jesus has to reveal himself to you as the sanctifier before you can properly preach him as the sanctifier. Amen? Amen. He's got to break us of self. He's got to change us. He's got to remove the bitterness and the anger and the the pride and all of those things. He's got to take those things out so that people will truly see Jesus. One of the greatest prayers I like to pray before I preach is, God, hide me behind the cross. I don't want people to see me. I want people to see Jesus. I I I don't want to... Preach to try to put myself up on a pedestal. I want to preach so that Jesus gets put up on a higher pedestal. I want to direct people to Jesus, and that can only happen when we allow Him to change us, when we allow Him to conform us into His image, when we allow Him to make us more like Jesus. As a leader, you're still a part of that sanctification process. There is no graduating class to sanctification. I remember somebody put out on social media, I have officially completed my discipleship. They went through a discipleship program. I have officially completed my discipleship. No, nobody has completed their discipleship. We always should be learning and growing and saying, Lord, show me something I've never seen before. Teach me something I don't know. It doesn't matter if you have a master's degree or a doctorate d- degree. There's still a time to learn. There's still, there's always going to be a need to grow. I, I honor and I respect those who go through uh, years and set aside years to study the word of God. It's important to know the word of God. It's important to study the word of God. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved that you might rightfully divide the word of truth. Uh, A lot of people, they preach crazy things because they never got into the book and they never studied the word of God and and they never searched those things like the Bereans did to see whether or not those things were so. And so it's important to know the word of God. It's important to study the word of God. But no matter how much you've learned and no matter matter how many degrees that you have, we can have more degrees in a thermometer, but there's still more, more things to learn. There's still areas of growth in our life and, and, and God, he's looking for people that just say, Lord, use me for your glory. I may not be spectacular. I might not be magnificent, but God, you are a magnificent God. And if I will yield myself to you and I will surrender myself to your will and to your way, there is absolutely no limit to what God can do in your life. There's no limit to what God can accomplish in your life when you just stay humble. You know, I believe in showing honor to other pastors and leaders. I, I've, I've shared it before. I, I, I believe that, that God blesses that when you show honor. And it doesn't matter, that, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that they say, because there will never be a time when Anybody ever agrees with everything anybody says? That's okay. You don't have to agree with every little thing, but it should not keep you from showing the love of Jesus toward them and showing honor and showing grace. You know, uh, how many of you know who uh, uh, Bishop Tim Hill is, a general overseer for the Church of God? We had the opportunity to talk with him last night and uh, in person, and just shared with him uh, how grateful I am for w- the work that they're doing and thanked him for his leadership and, and the work they've done in Ukraine. You know, they have probably, I think, 100 churches in Ukraine and like 100 churches in Russia, and they're leading a big relief effort in Ukraine. I told him thank you for what you're doing. I believe in showing honor uh, to whom honor is due. You'll, you'll never get far if you can't show honor. You'll never get far in ministry if you can't honor other leaders and you can't honor uh, other pastors. I believe those who live by the sword will die by the sword. If you take, if you invest in just tearing everybody down, then it's like a boomerang. It'll come back at you. And so you ought to be graceful. The Bible says to speak with grace, to show grace, whether it's, it's, the things that encourage people or it's the things that convict people, you ought to always speak with grace, with love, with compassion. How many of you know that you can preach on sin and do it gracefully? Because there's, the, on the contrary, you can preach on sin and do it wrong, in the wrong spirit, and think that you're, you know, you're, you got a, you're a backbone preacher and it's your self-righteousness. There's no... There's no room for that in the body of Christ. There's a time to preach on sin and we got to preach on the convicting things in the word of God. We never water down the word of God, but we do it with love. We do it with compassion. We allow the grace of God to flow through us. Amen.